Cheers and count with God time here on The Breakfast Show. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. We're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, we have another question for our quiz, Lawson. That's right. Another question for the quiz. Who appealed to Joseph to allow Benjamin to return from Egypt to his father. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win the Revive Cafe Cookbooks, Volumes 6, well, 5 and 6, I was about to say 6 and 7, no, Volumes 5 and 6, full of amazing, incredible recipe. In fact, Volume number 5 and Volume number 6 have full-on sections devoted to hot pot. You know what hot pot is, Lyle? Yes. It's like the greatest yes. food. In fact, yes. I ate it last night. It's basically you just make a big soup and you throw everything in there and you eat it's it. It's a pot that's hot. It's and phenomenal. It. Yeah. And there's a whole section devoted to it. This is like typically very Asian food, usually like Chinese. Uh, hot pot is just the greatest food that you can put in your body. Probably not from a health perspective. It's the greatest food that your tongue will touch. And uh, this is vegan, no, no, healthy, yeah, this, amazing this is vegan, healthy hot, pot. hot pot. That's so right. So 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer and you want to get into the draw to win these books, which will be drawn on it on Friday. But again, that question was, who appealed to Joseph to allow Benjamin to return to Egypt with his father. 0491-064-669. You know what I had for dinner last night? What'd you eat? Trees. Broccoli? Yes. <laughs> Dude, I've Broccoli actually... and 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 the um the um cauliflower. Cauliflower. Oh, you got the, the yeah. green trees, the white trees. In sauce. Oh, so good. I've really come around on broccoli and cauliflower. I think for a long time I was I was like oh kind of average, but now I really look oh, forward to it. Me too. It's so nice. I lived on broccoli broccoli once. Did, what did you just say? I lived on it. On what? Broccoli. <laughs> you said broccoli. Same thing. No, 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 no. This is. I, I am going to die on this hill. That is, is not pronounced broccoli. <laughs> Lawson. <laughs> Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's go to some text messages and let's see what you had to say. Vincent says, The California law is demonic. I left in 1984. All my extended family are there. It saddens me. Mm. It, it is absolutely that was just horrific. Insane. It is horrific what is going on in that state and... Of course, we have our Australian version down in Victoria, which is kind of copying everything out of their playbook. Mm -hmm. So you kind of wonder, you know, what happens in California seems to happen the next year in Victoria. Let's pray that it doesn't. And there's some great people down in Victoria, and I think they should just move up here and spend time with us. There's great people in California. They should move over here and spend time with us. Yeah, totally. Agree. It seems as though it is time for my daylight savings hibernation, says Braden. Mm-hmm. I am frequently up before the sun, so I don't need a clock to tell me when to to get up earlier. Uh, the older I get, though, the more open I am to daylight savings time. Mm. Somebody's coming over to the light side from yeah. the dark side here. They're coming around. Well done, Braden. Congratulations. I'm a huge fan of daylight saving. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I think it is the best thing ever. And, of course, it probably reflects the fact that I come from Tasmania, where they probably should have two hours daylight saving. Mm. You know, I get that if you are north of the Tropic of Capricorn, it's a bit silly. Mm. In fact, 
If you're north of the Tropic of Capricorn, it's probably very silly. It's really ridiculous. That's where the cutoff point should be. Yeah. If you're going to have a cutoff point, make it at the Tropic of Capricorn. Capricorn, and your problems are solved. It makes sense then. Mm. Don't do it on the Tweed River. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> that's so that's so wild. Like half of Queensland is in daylight savings, and the other half isn't. I mean, half of Australia is in daylight savings, yeah. and the other half isn't. You've got to so. have a cutoff point somewhere. Yeah, that's right. It'd be silly to have Cape York on daylight savings. And there's like time zones in the middle of places all around the world. So yeah, yeah. I know someone that is very lucky to be alive after car surfing. Ooh, the driver had to avoid hitting an emu. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and this was prior to the ubiquity of social media. Uh-huh. Kids will find dumb things to do regardless, but they certainly do not need any extra help. Mm. Smart parents give their kids dumb phones, mm. among other things. This is a really good comment right there. Smart parents give their kids dumb phones. Mm. At the same time, okay, I'm not a proponent of car slash train surfing. No. I am a proponent of looking at people doing backflips on things on Instagrams. Like probably, <laughs> yeah. probably one of my favourite way, way to enjoy my time. <laughs> uh, YouTube fails, right? Uh, but not, not even YouTube fails, just people doing gnarly stuff, just like whether they win or fail. Yes. But, yeah, just making big jumps for dirt bikes or something. Oh, it's it's fantastic. You know. I'm not, yeah, this, this is the thing. I'm not against... I'm not against um, you know, doing things that have an element of danger to them because mm. I do things that have an element of danger to them as well. There are some things that are just plain dumb mm-hmm. and that are accessible to teens and tweens. Mm. Let's not be encouraging our kids to do that. I yeah. mean, the choking game, seriously? Yeah, there are just, died from that. there are things that are just dangerous, dumb, and illegal. All right, talking about dumb things, uh-huh. Freco says, do not agree with daylight savings. Oh. Do not agree. Daylight savings is dumb. Freco, we don't care. <laughs> no, we do. We love Freco. Freco's awesome. We, we love Freco, but your opinion, opinion, bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we like See, I think this savings. is the very first time I've ever had a co-host who agrees with me on daylight saving. <laughs> Mon hated daylight saving. Minnie hated daylight saving. Liam hated daylight saving. Lawson? Nah, daylight savings, let's go. Like daylight, daylight savings is the bomb. Okay, let's see, let's see what else we've got. Mm. Okay, we can only guess how much gold must have been stashed away over the centuries, oh, never true. to be found. Mm. I personally know of a rich family that lived in the Philippines during World War II. He did the same thing before the occupation by the Japanese army. Due to the bombing, they never found it. Ooh. So it's somewhere. Yeah. I reckon, I have a theory. Uh-huh. I have a theory that a serviceman found it. Yeah, probably. And never said a thing. Yeah. It went in a duffel bag, mm-hmm. in the bottom of a duffel bag, if an American serviceman... I don't know what... Did Japanese soldiers have a duffel bag? Someone found it. Yeah. That's my theory. It's either It was either circulated in the Japanese economy or circulated in the United States economy. But it could still be buried there. Ooh. Yes. That, that is a juicy prospect. Well, you're going to have to get over there with your metal detector. I know detector. where there's a whole chest of gold. Really? Yeah. Where? Uh, on an island. Oh, you're not even going to disclose. I'm not going to disclose it <laughs> because that's going to start all kinds of wild. But basically um, it was brought ashore and then the cliff face fell on top of it. Oh. Yeah, or like on the coastal cliff face, you uh-huh. know, and it's just impossible to get to. I'm so. sure if you tried hard enough. Yeah, I, I, 
wait another couple of hundred years for the value of those coins to go up a little bit more and someone will go in there and see if they can find it. Oh, nice. Uh, let's face it, most people could not live without their mobile. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before the government makes not giving your children a mobile illegal and probably throw you in jail. <laughs> you know, <True. laughs> I could see that happening. I could see that happening. Uh, particularly if you look at California and this next uh, text message, California has become totally controlled by Satan. Only demons could come up with these laws. But then, of course, as it was in Noah's and Lot's day, we are here. So what do you think comes next? Mm. And then, yes, Raphael says, I love daylight savings. It makes my day. Amen. It was the best. I came in at 8 o'clock last night. I was working out my shed until 8 o'clock. The sun went down. The lights were on. Mm. I was didn't feel like it was that late. Came inside. It was 8 o'clock. It was just... I had so much done. It's just, it's just the best. Such a productive day. Like, oh, it just gives me flashbacks to being a kid and just being in the backyard until the sun goes down late. Yes. Like, you had so much more time after school to just do, do stuff. Do cool stuff. Now, I mean... I have time, yes. but then I... Parents with very small kids, yeah, I sympathise a bit. For sure. And then also it's like, oh, as an adult you have more time, but also you don't because I work. But the the time in which my work finishes stays the same. That's right. But the, mo- the more amount yeah. of stuff... Daylight. Yes, it stays. It's like, hey, I want to go and play a volleyball game at the beach and it's 7 o'clock at night. We you, can. You can because the sun is up. Amazing. You don't get to do that in Queensland. No. Sun's gone down, it's dark. It's Sorry, dark. Queenslanders. You've got to go and do it in some artificial mm. building under artificial lights yeah, in an wow. artificial environment. Yeah. And it's just artificial volleyball. Yeah. We don't, we're Who not building people here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right. We should get into our Bible study. We're going to Genesis chapter 2. So we haven't stopped with all of the classic verses in this particular Bible study. We're going to dig into Genesis 2 and 3 this morning, find out what they have to say about the great controversy. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Thanks, Blake. Uh, back to the show. <laughs> yes. Where's Blake? We need to get Blake back on the show here mm-hmm, sometime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, please, Lawson. Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17, the Bible says, But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Okay, before or after sin when this happens? Before. Pretty heavy thing for God to be talking about. Mm. Before sin exists on this earth. Mm. Okay, so not before sin, because obviously Satan has already sinned, but mm. before sin is on this earth. Mm. Okay, so God creates a perfect being. Yes. A perfect adult being. Lawson Walters. Uh, no. <laughs> Adam. Adam, yo, yeah. Adam, uh, that's son of... <laughs> Adam, son of God. Not son of God in the way that Jesus is son of God, but... Son of God. The Bible calls him the Son of God. Yeah, because he's literally made by God. You could call him Adam ben Yahweh. Yes. That would be, that's probably how it writes it in, was it uh, Luke's Gospel, I think, where it talks about Adam as the Son of God. Mm. Okay, so you've got Adam here who is created in perfection. And, you know, you, you, you look at a baby mm-hmm. and a baby that is raised with you know, lots of love. Uh-huh. And have very, very little understanding of how evil our world can be. Mm. 
and they're just enjoying life, you know, and they've got that big mm. smile on their face. My little granddaughter, she's like that. My little grandson, he's like that. Mm. You know, they have their times when they scream and all that kind of thing. I get that. But, <laughs> you know, for the most part, they're just like, the world is love. Mm. Everybody I know loves me. Yeah, totally. I go to church. The whole church loves me. That's so true. I go to the shops. People at the shops goo and gar and love me. Mm. And they just, you know, for a baby, everybody loves me. The only thing that doesn't love them is their nappy. That's true. That that's that's what they struggle with. But outside yes. of that, everyone loves them. I cry and people provide for my needs because <laughs> they love me. <laughs> and so God has created Adam and Adam comes into being and God loves him. Mm. Everybody loves him. Mm. The whole universe loves him. Mm. And he's in this perfect environment, in this perfect garden, and then God just messes it all up. Oh. Because <laughs> God's like, not everybody loves you. Mm. This is rough for Adam, don't you think? Mm. He just created, you know, surely you can give him a day or two or a week or... A couple of years before you say, well, you know, actually not everybody loves you. Just just, just let him enjoy it, right? Mm. Just let him enjoy it. Why doesn't God do that? Mm. Why doesn't God just make it impossible for, you know, Satan to even be there for the first couple of years? Yeah, sure. I think, like, ultimately we get back to, ah, oh, because freedom of choice should exist and whatnot. Yes. But I want to take it even further. I think it's actually good for Adam. I think it's good for humanity to have, to, to know about, those consequences and to be immediately exposed to them. You know, uh, it's like the, there's like the idiom, the saying, right? It's like, oh, I was given the, the keys to the candy shop, uh, to the lolly shop or whatever. We don't say candy in Australia. But um, <laughs> the keys to the candy shop leads to obesity. Yes. And and diabetes. If, that's right. Heart disease. Uh-huh. Cancer. Mm-hmm. Death. And so I think if Adam was just dropped in a situation in which it was impossible for, like, well, choice to exist, there's no love, but also impossible for pain and death and sorrow and suffering to exist, like, it it wouldn't be a good thing for him. I, I really don't believe that. I, I think that uh, every study that we see done on child psychology and growth um, – actively shows when children are actually exposed to danger. Now, we're talking about car surfing and whatnot before. No, not dumb danger, but like when children are exposed to danger and its consequences in the sense that, you know, they have monkey bars in the playground and yeah. they're told, hey, make sure you hold on to those monkey bars because if you drop and let go, you might land funny and break your arm. When kids are more exposed to danger, the more equipped they are. And the more secure they are. The more secure they are. To handle life, yes. essentially. And so if you held back from Adam the consequences of sin, the potential dangers of sin and of this fruit and Satan and all of these different things, if you held them back from Adam, as the, and especially like if Adam develops in a way that he lives in that kind of environment, the immediate, like the, the, the time in which it's reintroduced, if you ever allow it to be, he will immediately fall mm-hmm. uh, because I think if it would have been way worse if if, he, if Adam got down the track and then was exposed to it. And we know this because and this is the research that we have when, when viewing chi- children in their lives and their exposure to danger versus their ability to solve problems, that the later you introduce challenges and problems to children, 
<laughs> the less equipped they are because it's more difficult to develop. And so Adam, yes, he's born, he's created mature, but also in a sense, like he's completely inexperienced. He needs to be exposed to this. And that's why God creates him with that exposure. Absolutely. So coming through here on the text message, great comment says, surely God would not lie to Adam mm. and not warn him of the enemy who was after him. That would not be love. Okay, so is withholding information lying? I think not always. There is a level of appropriateness, right, to, to everything. Yes, what people... there are lots of things that we keep in confidence. That's right. But at the same time, it's it's it, it, that that dilemma of, oh, how much do we share is solved by, okay, well, what is someone ready for? And, as, and what do they need? What do they need? Yes. And as we've been talking about, obviously Adam wasn't dropped onto the world and I think it, it, his brain would actually just fall out of his head if God just exposed <laughs> everything that was going on in the whole universe to Adam. Like, again, it's not because God doesn't want to be transparent, but at the same time, yeah, God tells Adam exactly what he needs to know. Just like we tell our children things. Okay, for example, we would say to our children, hey, stranger danger. I don't have children, by the way. But uh, we would, our collective children in the when world. When the time comes, we would say. You will teach your children stranger danger. You would say danger. stranger danger. Yes. You know, it's a, oh, it's a really bad thing to get in cars with strangers. And if you meet someone in public, blah, 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 like you tell them that. Would you then go on to reveal to them <laughs> the, like, obviously the you sorted, tell them. The sort of details of what happens of if the, they get Of kidnapped. the consequences. Yeah, that's right. No. And I know for me, like, Stranger Danger was something, like, my dad, I have three sisters, he, like, and myself as well, he just pumped into us, like, Stranger Danger, because he wants to protect his kids. But obviously, for my sisters and for myself, when we're young, he didn't go through and, yeah, expose all the possible consequences of being raped or human trafficked or whatever. It's just that, hey, it is unsafe for you to spend time with people that you do not know. In in a in a in an exposed vulnerable environment, so don't do that. Yeah, that's like straightforward. We know that we understand that, and I believe that is the way that God is approaching this situation. Another comment right here says, "If I knew someone wanted to kill you, and I don't tell you, what would you say about that?" Oh, yeah, that's kind of like the dilemma of like, are you the murderer? Well, you are you responsible? If in in this in this day and age, mm-hmm. in this scenario here if that person did proceed with the murder then the person who said nothing could be done for accessory mm. and they could get could get exactly the same sentence as the murderer wow accessory after murder can can have the same sentence mm. accessory after the fact or whatever they call it something mm-hmm. like that anyway all right, let's see here. Uh, let's head over to, let's go down a few verses. Genesis 3 is where we're going to read next, 1 to yep. 4. Yeah, oh, the classics. The yeah, ser- we're doing all the classics. This, this, <laughs> this Bible study should simply be called the classic the verses. The classic verses. <laughs> because that's what we've had so far. We've yep. gone from one to the next to the next to mm-hmm. the next. Mm-hmm. All right, wonderful. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, the Bible says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any trees of the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, 
you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Okay, so we've got some really heavy stuff that we're going to be talking about in these particular verses right here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We are digging into the Bible to find out what the Bible has to say about all kinds of stuff. And we were just reading in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, about the temptation and fall of humanity, Mm -hmm. where Eve was tempted and ate from the fruit. Okay, so let's think about but this. But before we get back into it, we're going to have another I, I want to get back into quiz. it. I'm sorry, Lyle. I'm sorry. We can't. Quiz. We have to do the we quiz. In the book of Revelation, how many elders are depicted around the throne in heaven? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. I'm just looking outside this morning and I'm seeing beautiful, sunny, amazing weather. We're having stunning. the best time. It is stunning. Dude. Incredible is place to be right now. Again, our prizes for this week are the Revive Cafe Cookbooks ed- Volumes. Sorry, I keep trying to say editions, but Volumes 5 and 6, which has incredible, awesome recipes that you'll be able to cook. Vegan, healthy, tasty, amazing. But again, that question was, in the book of Revelation, how many elders are depicted around the throne in heaven? 0491 064 669. Okay, so let's uh, jump into uh, back into our Bible study here, and we've been talking about the fall of humanity. We've been talking about Eve, how that she was deceived. And I want you to think about this for a moment. From a human perspective, mm. who had the best argument? What do you mean? God said, don't eat it. Satan said, eat it. Who's got the best argument? Ooh. Okay. I feel like you could look at it both ways. Okay. You could put it in a vacuum, mm-hmm. and you could say... From from Satan's perspective, the issue is like God isn't being transparent with you mm. about the truth of this situation. Mm-hmm. From the God's perspective, you could say, who is this snake, firstly? Secondarily, I've been all I've been is loved. So why would I have a reason to distrust God when my experience so far on this earth has been amazing? And this is the first time anyone has introduced doubt to me ever. Okay, so it's an interesting interesting thought right here. So Eve comes to the tree, and this is really what she's got. When she comes to the tree, she has the evidence that God has given her, Mm -hmm. which is God has said, don't. Mm -hmm. Then she has the evidence that Satan gives. He's in the form of a snake. He's in the tree. Mm -hmm. He's touching the tree. He's eating the fruit of the tree. And as a snake, the snake is talking. Mm. And so then from a purely human perspective from our standpoint here, where does the scientific evidence point? As in the observable evidence. Yeah, yeah. from a a perspective of observable observable and empirical. Yes. Kind of looks like the snake's right. Kind of does, doesn't it? Mm. Okay, so there's a number of different things that we can learn from this. Uh, the first is that human reason is not always the safest way to evaluate spiritual matters. Mm. The second is that the Word of God can appear to be illogical and senseless, but it is always right mm. and it is always trustworthy, mm. even when you look at it and go, nah, surely not, can't be. Mm. 
The third thing is that there are things that are not evil or wrong in themselves, but God has chosen them to be a test. Mm. And I think this is a really important point right here. And I want to spend a little bit of time dwelling on this one because there's no evidence in Scripture that the fruit in and of itself was toxic. Yes. They weren't dying because they had ingested some kind of toxin. So the fruit wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. The second thing that we can think about in relationship to this passage is that, okay, the fruit wasn't the issue, but also uh, it wasn't a situation where God had come to Adam and Eve and said, look, you can eat of all the fruit of all the trees in the garden except which one. It doesn't really matter. Ah, you choose a tree. Mm. And they might have looked at it and gone, you know what, um, tossing up between avocados and raspberries so I can live without avocados and gone with raspberries. Hmm. You know, it wasn't that kind of a situation. So so what God has done here is two things that um, help us to understand his word. The first is that he has not been vague. Mm-hmm. God has been specific as he always is. And he said, this tree right here. So God has picked out the tree. The second thing is that the tree is not the issue. The fruit is not the issue. Mm. It's the act that is the issue. Yes. And what the act does is it shows where a person's allegiance is. Mm. And so this is the same for us when it comes to God because God is specific about many things in his word and many of those things, it's very obvious why Mm. God says them. Mm -hmm. Don't kill people. There is a very clear and obvious reason we understand why God says don't kill people. Sure. Don't steal from people. Mm. Once again, that's a really bad thing to do and it's very clear and obvious why God says don't steal from people. Mm. Don't have other gods. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are God, why would you allow anyone to have other gods? This is what's so lame about the pagan gods. Mm. Or, okay, um, all due respect to my Hindu friends, but you have many gods. Mm. Why would they allow somebody else to be a god mm. if there is God? Mm. You know, shouldn't there be just one God and everybody is lesser mm. than that one God? And if you have one God, why would that one God say, oh, you go and worship whatever you want? Mm. That one God would be like, no, I'm God. There is no one else. And so when you look at what God has asked us to do, for the most part, there's a very logical reason behind it. Mm. But occasionally there are times when God says, I want you to do this without any visible reason. Like, for instance, the Sabbath commandment. Mm-hmm. Sabbath commandment is a prime example of that. It's exactly like the fruit in the Garden of Eden. And why does God ask us to do that? Not because one day is any different from another day. Mm. But because our act of obedience shows where our heart is. <clears throat> you know, do we obey God on our terms? That's salvation by works. Mm-hmm. Or do we just do what God says because... God said it, and we love him. Yeah, that's right. That's grace right there. And so when we look at what took place in the Garden of Eden right here, we can see that, yes, this was an opportunity for them to show their allegiance to God, and their act showed that their allegiance was not full and complete. They broke their allegiance to God and decided not to, and the fruit didn't kill them, but the act of disobedience was definitely something that was, uh, yeah, Less than ideal. 
Mm. Okay, so human reason is not always the safest way to evaluate spiritual matters. This is a really interesting point. And, you know, talking with Dr. John Ashton this morning about creation and how finely tuned our world is and how the fact there is so many people in our world today who try and do away with any kind of knowledge or existence of God whatsoever and explain everything through naturalistic means. And by doing so, they become fools because there is just so much evidence out there that is so hard to interpret yeah. from an evolutionary perspective, mm. throw a designer, an intelligent designer into the equation and suddenly it becomes easy to interpret that evidence. And also like the the model of evolution that we have, again, you, <laughs> is ever changing because the evidence is ever expanding. And yes. then, you know, if you put in hard lines as to, oh, this is how it got created and then things change, it's just... Yeah, uh, I think it's a cycle of foolery. Absolutely here. Paula asked the question, what was the age of Adam and Eve? They weren't born, they were created, and an adult is responsible for their own decisions. A child or adolescent's brain uh, does not develop fully, even with advice from a parent, they can be influenced easily. Yes, they were created as fully grown adults Mm. with a fully developed brain, Mm. Um, which would have been interesting considering that... They never had that period of childhood and died at 900-some years of age. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But hey, let's have a Unlike look. Me. Firstly, at some answers to the quiz, in which city did Jesus heal the centurion seven? That was in uh, Capernaum. The women, the woman at the well had been married five times. The Gibeonites tricked Joshua into thinking they had come from a far country to make a covenant with Israel. Uh, who appealed to Joseph to allow Benjamin to return to Egypt to his father? That was Judah. And finally, in the book of Revelation, there are 24 elders around the throne in heaven. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day comes from Freco, and he asks, please explain Luke 14, 25 to 27. Okay, the Bible says there went out a great multitude with him, and he turned and said to them, this is verse 25, uh, verse 26, if anyone comes to me and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So there are a whole slew of different issues that we can draw out of this particular passage right here. So we will look at as many as we can. First of all, the context. Mm. The context is that there is a huge multitude of people following Jesus and he preaches the most counterproductive sermon you can ever imagine. Why is he preaching this counterproductive sermon? It is because... Because he tells them to do some really weird stuff here. Okay, the reason is because they are just following him because he makes stuff. He makes food from nothing. He heals people. These are not people who are genuinely interested in change. They're like genuinely interested in stuff, Mm. in things. These are people who have been overcome by the concept of a prosperity religion and they Mm. see that prosperity is with Jesus, so that's where they will go. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how it works. It's not about prosperity. This is about sacrifice. My religion is not a religion of wealth and position and fame and power. It is a religion of sacrifice. Mm. 
And so he turns around and he says this, you know, unless you hate your father, mother, wife, your own life also. And verse 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He then goes to say and says, which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down first and count the cost to see whether he has enough to finish it? A little bit further down, what king going to make a war? What king going to make war against another king doesn't sit down first and decide whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him that comes against him with twenty thousand? So likewise, whoever so whoever be he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Essentially, what Jesus is saying in this passage is, you need to count the cost. Of discipleship, you're mm. all following me. Multitudes of you are following mm. me, but you haven't counted the cost. You need to actually sit down and count the cost. Okay, what is it going to cost you to be my disciple? And verse thirty-three, there he sums it up, where he says, "Likewise, whosoever does not forsake everything that he has cannot be my disciple." Does that mean that you then just leave all earthly possessions and live without any earthly possessions. There are some people in India who do that as a part of the Hindu religion. They have zero possessions. No, that's not the answer. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that you actually have to physically get rid of all possessions. Jesus is saying you have to emotionally and spiritually rid yourself of all possessions. In other words, there is nothing that is going to come between you and God. Mm. So that if your house is between you and God, you are prepared to sacrifice your house. If your car is between you and God, you are prepared to sacrifice your car. If your family is between you and God, you will put your fa- you will put God first, and you will sacrifice your family if that is what is necessary. If your life, if you value your life more than your service to God, then you are not prepared to be a disciple. Pretty heavy stuff right there. That's why he mentions right there, unless he hates his life also. Does that mean that we go around hating people? No, of course not. If we look at what Jesus says in Matthew in relationship to this, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to send peace on the earth. Uh, I did not come to send peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes will be those of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's what Jesus is saying right here. This is entire surrender and submission to God First and foremost, above everything else, obviously family comes second, but God comes first. couple of quick text messages that are just too good to leave out. In relationship to our Bible study, Raphael says, one is God, the other is Satan speaking through a snake. Mm. Who would you listen to? Very, very valid point right there. Very valid point. Uh, God spoke face-to-face with Adam and Eve, and she chose to listen to a snake who talked. Mm. And then we have this one which says, um, and why talk to the snake? Animals don't talk last time I noticed. That's David in Western Australia. Some really good points coming through there. Okay, mm. I, I, I tried to build an argument. in, But the reality is so often when we follow scientific arguments today, mm. We are just as dumb as people who talk to snakes. Mm. Yeah, seriously. That's 
Fantastic stuff. As you go through this day, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.